Amen. Well, today um, I, uh, I want to just kind of reflect back on some good stuff that God did this year and uh, just kind of remind us of what, what God did through us and with us and in spite of us. And uh, just so we can remember, you know, and, and, and give thanks to God because I don't think we just, we don't thank him enough. We're, we're predisposed to complain and grumble about how things haven't gone my way and how they're not happening the way I want them to. I, didn't, I don't have the job I want. I don't have the spouse I want. I don't have the friends I want. I don't have the church I want. I, there's just a whole lit, this litany of things that we can complain about. But I want to just spend a few minutes just testifying about some great stuff that God did this year, amen? amen. And, and really, at the top of the list are just the, the number of salvations and baptisms we've had this year. You know, we've had probably around 35 salvations this year. Probably had um, at least 25 baptisms this year. That's awesome. I think Sean said we had 12 saved in Camp Grizzly. Isn't that awesome? You know, and even when you think about salvations, even recently, you know, the whole Troy Dilly family, you know, comes to mind. I mean, four salvations alone, five baptisms, and just one family. Is that not awesome? We got Cy, he got saved, that was awesome, right? Linda Morris, she got saved and water baptized. I mean, we've had several people even blessed out on our street evangelism. We've been doing treasure hunts this year, and there have been people who are getting impacted and, and blessed, and they're, they're learning that heaven cares about them. People who would never hear the gospel heard, there's a Father in heaven who loves you this year. They were touched. I mean, even, you know, Alex was down in New Orleans and while he was there on business, thought, hey, why not get some people saved? And that's what he did. Got some people saved, amen. Thank God for people saved in New Orleans. You know, back in 2012, Dennis Kramer prophesied over us that God would send us new families, send us some some more money and uh, more help. And you know what? This year, we've really seen that start to come to pass. We've really had some new families that God has brought to us. You know, even though they were maybe saved, um, they've become radically refreshed and renewed. You know, we've got Clayton and Letitia who's come and joined our family. We've got Jesse Gezzi. You know, they got, Jesse and Letitia got baptized at the Hughes' hot tub. Come on. That's where I want to do my baptizing right there. Hot tub Jesus. <laughs> Baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, it's just been amazing. Amanda uh, Hafner's salvation and water baptism and the changes that's happened in her life has been amazing. You know, God's just been sending us people. It's been great. You know, people like Paula Glasser has come and, and become a, an intercessor for this house. God just sent her to come and pray for our nation here. That's a blessing. Amen? 
We've even had some healings and miracles go on this year. You know, Elaine Perky, which is uh, Brian and, and Sarah's grandmother, she was healed by the Lord physically. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Come on, give us the Lord's praise. <clears throat> Our dear brother Ernie Dishman fell off of a two-story building and didn't die. That's a miracle. And we just heard testimony a few weeks ago. Andy McGraw hit his five-year mark with the brain tumor that no one's supposed to live as long. God is the... Gary Tower keeps getting more and more healing. All the problems that keep touching his life. They're just not there. His healing. Even Connie Julson, she had a, a knee issue where her knee was constantly giving out, giving out, and it was really causing her a lot of problems. She got prayed for by Jeff and Susan Julian. And then a couple weeks later, she wasn't, she just didn't, wasn't even thinking about it and realized, my knee doesn't give out anymore. And now that's three or four months ago, and it's still healed. I mean, there's been marriages that have been refreshed and renewed in the marriage group. I mean, that's what we're about. Yes, praise the Lord. Several testimonies from that. You know, I even think about the, the, the awesome blessing of Chris Hansen getting restored to his natural father. I mean, was that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And then finances this year have been a blessing. You know, at, at, at the end of 2013, first of 2014, we were, we were not making payroll. There were a few weeks where we didn't have enough money to even cover payroll. Now, thank God we have an emergency fund. But that's how, how, how far they dipped. I want you to know we ain't there no more. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Finances have been a miracle, not just for our church, but for even individuals. I mean, Andrew Wisman went to Brazil for six months. Had everything taken care of for her. Is that not awesome? Yeah, yeah. praise the Lord. We were able to fund my whole sabbatical this summer. That was awesome. Whether you like it or not, I'm happy. <laughs> Praise God. But we've just, you know, the Lord's brought enough in that we've been able to do a lot of repairs to the building. I, I, you know, we, we got a brand new roof that was by the grace of God. Didn't cost us anything. Yeah, come on. We've... Uh, Resealed the parking lot this summer. We painted the building this year. We got a brand new sign. I mean, this is from the excess that God has brought to our house. Amen. And really what's excited me is that we've been able to start paying Mike a little something. Because that man deserves some fundage from the kingdom. Amen. So this has been a great year. It's been a great year. Can you say that? Say, this has been a great year. No matter what you went through, you're still breathing. You're still free to walk into this building and say, I love God without the threat of losing your life. This has been a good year. 
And I know we could look at what's happened to our nation and all the setbacks, but God has still been good to us. And that's where I want us to remember that God was good to us this year. Amen? Now, here's something I want to do is I want to, <clears throat> now for, for 2016, I want to share um, a prophetic word that uh, Dennis Kramer had come and, and he uh, prophesied over Eric and Karen this fall. And within that prophecy, there were some specific things that the Lord said concerning our church. And so I'm going to share that, those parts of the word that specifically speak to New Covenant I'm going to read that today, and I'm going to let you, you can read along with me. But I want to share that with you guys today, so, and then I'm going to break it down because there's some interesting stuff in there that I feel like the Lord wants us to really um, pay attention to. So I, I, I'm just, today I'm just declaring some stuff, and I'm going to pull out some scriptures that kind of support what the Lord said through Dennis uh, prophetically. Amen? Are you guys ready to hear this word? All right, so if you guys want to pull that up on the slide there. It says, I'm going before you this day. I'm going before you with all my power and might to make a way where there is currently no way. Let me repeat that. I am making a way beginning today where there is no way. I have a new direction, a new emphasis. I have a new focus. There will be a new joy. The Lord would say that there is a spirit. There is a spirit that has created a wall between the community and this building. The community and this property. There are hundreds in the city that do not know about this building. And boy howdy, that's been true. And it's a spirit. The spirit has blinded the community to this facility. And the Lord would say, I expose this devil. I break its neck and paralyze it. Now everyone will hear. Everyone will know that I am putting this house on the map and the community will say, we never knew you were here. Now they will. Now they will. I am drawing the community to this place and I break the neck of the spirit that has hindered the community from even knowing this church location and now God says, get ready to be a greater voice in the community. Get ready for articles to be written by you and about you. Any press is good press. Get ready for a new way. I am making a way where there is no way. I make all things new. Throw away the handbook that you used to get to this place of life and this place of ministry. It will not do you any good any longer because I make all things new. It's time to gather the people of God, to urge them to get serious. I don't want anybody in the church lagging behind. I don't want any dead weight in the sanctuary. So, to, so speak clearly, speak firmly, and tell everybody, tell everybody to get Ready, For I, the Lord, would say, I'm now bringing this church into a time of decisions. Some people will decide to go on with God, and some will not. Go with those who go with you. Get ready 
for a group of believers in this house who will press in to the purpose of God that I have destined you to. Know that I am bringing others from the community here. Know that I am going to bring others from great distances who will say God has brought us to this house. Know that there will be an expansion and an increase of the properties of the families and there will be more than enough money to make the property and the building more suitable for what I have called you to do. Amen. Get ready for the schools to be visited by God. Get ready for a move among the students in this community. Get ready for the deadest denominational churches in town to be awakened as I visit them through my angels and through dreams and visions. Get ready. I have targeted Newcastle to be a hot spot for what I want to do, not only in Indiana, but also in the Midwest. I am going to change the schedule of meetings in this place. I am going to move by such might and power that you will not be able to map out and plan out everything I want to do. So get ready for some spontaneous gatherings. Get ready to call some solemn assemblies. Get ready for even your schedule of events and meetings will come as a surprise to you. You will not always be able to take a year to plan or 10 months or eight months or six months or four months. Sometimes I will say to you, do this and do it right there in the calendar and you will say, okay, God, uh, that's what you told us to do. We don't think we can put it together, but you told us today and we are going to do it. Amen. Throw caution to the wind, deal with every sickness, drive out every devil and do not let your critics win. Yeah. Do not let them prevail over you. Laugh off their criticisms and know this, I put you here. I called you to this house. I gave you a strategy. I gave you the doctrines I told you to enforce. And I have given you a people, an authentic and genuine down-to-earth people that are about to be visited. Don't let this secret out, but there's a visitation coming. I'm going to visit you guys. I am going to visit this house. I am going to visit this place, so get ready, get ready. They will pull in the front. They will fill the front parking lot, so get ready, get ready. My visitation is coming, says the Lord. Wow. Wow. Now, <clears throat> among the many things said in this word from the Lord, there were several times, if you noticed, where the Lord said, get ready. So I want to highlight all those times in this word that the Lord said, get ready. Because when the Lord prophesies, get ready, that means he's calling us to action. And I, I say prayer is a major part of getting ready. But there's also a heavenly strategy that God wants us to discover. Amen? Luke 12, verse 35 says this. Be dressed, 
ready for service and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or third watch of the night. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. Now, I know that this is the ultimate big coming, but there's little comings. And that's what God's promised us. There is a coming of the Lord, and we must be ready for when he shows up. That's why it says get ready so many times in this specific prophetic word. Amen. So the first instance of God saying get ready was this. And in this word I've, I pulled out there are 10, I believe 10 different get readies. The first one was get ready to be a greater voice in the community. Now, Isaiah 40, verse 3 says this. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. One thing about our church, if you aren't familiar with this, is that we are a forerunner church. We are a pioneering church. We, are a, we like to be at the front of the line to restore that which God is calling us to restore. Amen. And part of being a forerunner church means we have a voice. There is a message that we are to declare. We have a message that God has deposited in this place. And because now that God has broken that spirit, whatever it was that is separated, that's put this wall between us and the city, God is ready for us for, to, to bring that message in a greater way, to be a greater voice in the community. Isaiah 58 verse 10 says, If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. I believe that as we engage in this kind of activity, guess what? A light starts to shine. I remember when we had the Dream Center and we were trying to take care of the needy and satisfy the wants. Guess what? There was a light that shined from this place that the community knew about. I believe God's going to do that again. Amen. The next get ready that God says is get ready for articles to be written by you and about you. This one is very closely related to the first. Um, one of the ways I believe God wants us to be a greater voice is to write articles for the paper. There's a whole section in the paper where people who have uh, ministry roles and responsibilities can begin to write 
and put uh, opinion articles in there. But I believe that God wants us to engage maybe in that a little more. I think that as we continue to grow in helping people um, and our community to heal, that there's going to be articles even written about us. Both positive and maybe some negative. But God said, any press is good press. Amen. So the next get ready, God said, was get ready for a new way. Now, I'm not exactly sure what that means. But clearly, God wants to give us some more blueprints and a new handbook for the next season of our church. If I knew what the next new way was, then it wouldn't be, I guess, a new way. (laughs) I don't know. But I believe that God will speak. He wants to share that with us. Isaiah chapter 43 Verse 19 says this. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Could it be safe to say that Newcastle has been a desert and a wasteland? I think so. Could God be preparing to give us plans for a new thing that will make a way? In the desert of our town, that will bring streams to the wasteland of our city. I believe he will. Next, get ready that God says is tell everybody to get ready. No dead weight, no one lagging behind. First Thessalonians chapter five says this. It says, you're all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. And then if you jump to verse 11, it says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. I think this goes along even with the word we heard this morning. I believe God is calling us to really build each other up. I also believe that uh, we're going to go through a season of pruning the dead weight in our lives, both individually and corporately. You know, uh, in the word, the, the Lord said, I, for I, the Lord, would say, I'm now bringing this church into a time of decisions. Some people will decide to go on with God and some will not. Go with those who go with you. I believe that in this new season of pruning that we are going to see even greater levels of the glory of the Lord. Um, You know, with pruning comes um, more fruit. And with much fruit comes more glory to the Father. That's what John 15, verse 8 says. It says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And then down in verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. 
Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And this is my command. Love each other. Think as we build each other up, and even as we do a little iron sharpening iron, there will be a pruning that happens. It's not something we'll have to force. God's the dresser. He comes along and he decides what's profitable and what's not. Many times when something's fruitful, he prunes it so it'll be more fruitful. Pruning is not just a negative experience where God's correcting and spanking us and chastising us. Pruning's about bringing us to a new season and a new level of fruitfulness. I believe that he's going to call cold-hearted Christians to be warm-hearted. I believe warm-hearted Christians are going to be called to blazing hot. I believe the Lord's going to do a great work in us. The next get ready, he said, was get ready for a group of believers in this house who will press into the purpose of God that I have destined you to. Others from the community will come here, others from great distances who will say, God has brought us to this house. Know that there will be an expansion and an increase of the property of the families, and there will be more than enough money to make the property and the building more suitable for what I've called you to do. Amen. Philippians chapter 3 verse 12 says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I believe God is specifically raising people up in this house who will press in and take a hold of the goal that God has put before us, amen? That they will say yes to where God's asked them to say yes. You know, one of the greatest signs of sonship is obedience. Every time in our life when God says, do this, do that, act on this, don't act on that, every time we obey, we strengthen our identity as a son or daughter of the Lord. Every time we say no, we strengthen the grip of an orphan spirit in our life. And I'm often feel, and I've had people say, oh, I just don't feel like I'm, I just feel like such an orphan. I don't feel like I'm a son and whatever. And I go, how are you doing with obedience? Oh, I'm not, I'm not. Well, I want you to know being a son hasn't, you don't have to be obedient. Jesus made you a son, but you can act like a son and it'll do a transformation work in your mind. You'll start feeling like a son or daughter when you start acting like one. When obedience starts to take hold of your life. And again, it's not by works that you are one. You already are one. You already are a son or daughter. There's no more that can be done. It's, it's finished. But your feeling like one is definitely tied to your obedience. Little 
or big. It doesn't matter. In fact, it's the thousand little things that we're disobedient in that makes us feel like we're orphans all the time. But God says there's a group of believers who will press into the purpose of God in this place. Amen. Zechariah chapter 6 verse 15 says those who are far away will come and help to build the temple of the Lord and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. This will happen if you diligently obey the Lord your God. God wants us to get ready for these people. They're already here. Some of you are here. Some aren't here yet, but God wants us ready. Get ready for these people. Don't just wait for them to show up and then go, oh, hey, I didn't know you were coming. <laughs> You're amazing. We've got to get ready. God wants us to get ready for those who will press in to the mission of this house. And we are raising an army who will walk in love and joy and the obedience of the Lord. God is sending them, and we have to prepare. Amen? The next get ready, God says, is get ready for the schools to be visited by God. Get ready for a move among the students in this community. Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 28, says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters, will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, again, if you've been around since the beginning of this church, when we started this church, we have known that God was going to break out in revival with the students of our community. And it's time that we prepare for this move of God to happen. I actually, I, when I was in high school, I experienced something. Um, and maybe Chad and Tina will remember this since they were in my grade. Um, it, was, it was the closest thing to a revival at school that I can think of. And it happened um, in, I think I was in the 10th grade. 1987. <clears throat> yeah. And, but we had a speaker come into the school. And it was a whole, like the whole high school and all of it that time, it was Parkview. So it was 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And we all went to the field house for this convocation. And the speaker was this guy by the name of David Toma. And, uh, it wasn't a religious event, but uh, Toma, he was at that time this very popular speaker. He was speaking all over the nation about drugs and gangs and violence. And he had this really super powerful, like in your face, like message. I, I remember because and what was kind of famous about him again was like you sit in this, this convocation and no one says a word. And if you do, he calls you out. And he did. <laughs> they, we were in, in the field house. And I'm, I'm telling, it wasn't me. <laughs> I was keeping it under my breath. Or whatever. 
But there were other people who were talking, who were chit-chatting, and he literally stopped, and he walked up the bleachers, and he said, you and you, I need you to shut up. Someone else needs to hear what I have to say. And he turned around, and he walked back. (laughs) Oh, only in public school can you say those things, I guess. (laughs) You say them here, and people accuse you of being unloving. But sometimes when you got something to say that's more important than your emotional state, you do it. But when that happened, okay, he spoke this powerful message about anti-drugs and gangs and violence. And his life story is amazing, being shot. And, of course, he was into drugs and everything. Um, Even though it wasn't religious, something happened in our school. I remember distinctly for the next couple of weeks, it so messed up so many kids who were struggling with drug issues, some emotional, some home life issues. It, sh- it shook our school so much that kids could not sit in class because they were overcome with emotion. And they literally had to have counselors in every hallway that kids could at any moment just walk out to go meet and talk with the counselor. For like almost two weeks, if I can remember right. And it was like school practically stood still while we were waiting for this aftermath of what this man had to say just about drugs and gangs. But the school made room for it. It's the closest I've ever seen to something that took over another institution. I think that's going to happen again but on a spiritual level this time. Amen. So we got to get ready for that. Will we be ready when the school says, we don't know what's going on. You're the religious people. Help. We can show up as dumb looking as they are, or we can have a little bit of a plan. We can have something to say, okay, this is that, which the Bible prophesies. Amen. Amen. And this next one's just as powerful. The next, get ready. Get ready for the deadest denominational churches in town to be awakened as I visit them through my angels and through dreams and visions. Yeah. Isaiah 41. Verse 17 says, The poor needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and springs within the valleys, and I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. You know, one of my, and why I'm being emotional, is one of my deepest desires since I dedicated my life to the Lord was for unity in the churches. To see all the churches of Newcastle be on fire for God. That's why I've suffered at the Ministerial Association for 11 years. Faithfully, every Tuesday I show up play my guitar, my two songs, and everybody goes, oh my God, that's awesome. We don't know what you're doing, but it's awesome. 
I know. Just drink. Just drink. But I've, I've been desperate for the churches of our county to, to be on fire without crippling bondage of the spirit of religion. And apparently God's now calling us to get ready for our brothers and sisters in Christ to awaken from their slumber. Now here's one thing that I do believe is absolutely critical in stewarding this move of God. And it's this, that we must unswervingly, constantly take on the attitude and the mindset that we will be servants of this move and not the experts of this move. I've seen so many times charismatic, spirit-filled pride when it comes to our brothers and sisters who start to dip their toe into the Holy Spirit and we just, we just overwhelm them with all our years of knowledge and we've been doing this for 10, 25, 30 years. Welcome to the party. Let me tell you about everything you need to know now. I think if we walk into this move of God in the schools and in the churches with that attitude that we're the experts, that we somehow know everything there is to know about this, we're going to grieve the Holy Spirit and it won't last. But if we choose to walk in the attitude, we're here to serve the move. I think we might be able to have something that lasts and lasts that could reach all of Indiana that could reach the Midwest and maybe even touch parts of the world. But if we walk in like we're a bunch of know-it-alls, the Holy Spirit will be grieved. And that's not what I want to do. I've worked too long and too hard with some pastors from other churches for when they finally get enough courage to say, hmm, to blow it all. So let's get ready to be servants of this move, not the experts. The next get ready, God said, is I have targeted Newcastle to be a hot spot for what I want to do, not only in Indiana, but also in the Midwest. Haggai chapter 2 verse 6 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says, In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. You know, when we began this church, God said that he prophesied that he would change the landscape of this region. Matt Wanniger prophesied back in 2012 that, we, that, that this church is a leadership house in the region. And he prophesied, he said that God would give us and it was, you know, metaphorical, but I think there's something to it. He said that the Lord was going to give us a musical score for other churches to play from. 
So clearly, there is something God has targeted us for. And the Lord is, again, he's asking us to prepare to be a regional resource church. A church that, that can help other churches in whatever way God asks us to serve them. He needs us to get ready. The next time he says get ready, he says get ready for some spontaneous gatherings. Get ready to call some solemn assemblies. Get ready for even your schedule of events and meetings will come as a surprise to you. <clears throat> and again, in Joel chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people and consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should... Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord will be jealous for his land and will take pity on his people. Now this passage in Joel speaks about solemn assemblies. Spontaneous meetings. That's what Joel's talking about. Just as Denny prophesied, New Covenant, get ready for some spontaneous meetings. Get ready for some sacred assemblies. You know, I find it interesting that if God is willing to put a wedding on hold just so we can have a church service, then maybe we should get ready to put other life events on hold. I mean, think about that. Think about it. You're on your wedding day. Someone rushes in and says, wait. The Holy Spirit broke out at First Baptist we all got to go. Yeah. That nervous laugh, that's how fleshly we are. I'm there. I couldn't stop my own wedding. I'm sure of it. I'm just, but listen, it's the word of God. That when the move comes, I don't care if you're getting married. I don't care what you're doing. The Lord says, come out. And come together. That means you may have to leave the basketball game early. <laughs> or not even go. <gasps> oh, be still my heart. We really need to ready our hearts and minds for the disruptions that may come from God moving in our city. And I know you think, oh, well, when that happens, it'll be so easy to say yes. No, it won't. You know, he's moving already. And you know how many people say no now? Their carnal mind keeps them from going with God. No, I, I got to stay home. I'm going to go do this instead. We've got to get ready for this. That's what he's saying. Get ready. For this to come. For some sacred spontaneous moments to happen. Because they're not going to be always convenient for your schedule. They're not gonna, always going to be convenient 
for your life events. And we just got to be ready for that. Amen? Next time he says, get ready, he says, there's a visitation coming. I'm going to visit you guys. I'm going to visit this house. I'm going to visit this place. So get ready, get ready. They will pull in the front and they will fill the front parking lot. So get ready, get ready. My visitation is coming, says the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. That's what God's promising. When he visits the school, what do you think is going to happen? He'll heal the land. When he comes and visits dead churches in this city, guess what's going to happen? He'll heal the land. We have to get ready. We have to prepare. It is time for us to get ready for the next wave of God's spirit. Let's be a people who are prepared for this coming visitation. Let's be prepared for the coming harvest because when the spirit falls, conviction comes with it. We've got to be ready for these people who go, oh, I don't know what's happening to me, but I just can't stop telling you about everything that's wrong with me. What must I do to be saved? It happened. It'll happen again. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are we ready? Again, we can't just wait for it to show up and then, okay, now I'm going to work real hard. Well, that's happened already. We've had seasons at this church where people have come in and we weren't ready and they left. We didn't have enough people to disciple. We didn't have enough people healed and healthy enough to keep the culture of this place godly. This is what getting ready means. It means quit being jealous. Quit talking about each other. Quit walking in unforgiveness. Quit making a toxic culture so that when they walk in, going looking for answers, they see the world here instead of Jesus. That's why they leave. They go, oh, there's nothing different here. You just do some weird stuff. I've already had three people talk about three other people in the first two weeks that I came here. Get ready. Let's be prepared. We got to get the temperature of the water really hot so that when cold water gets poured in, it doesn't take us down to tempted. It just drops the temperature a little bit. But see, when we're already tempted and you pour in a bunch of cold water, guess what? It gets ice cold real quick. So we got to get the water level up and we got to get it hot, hot in here so that when the broken, more broken come, more, more healed, unhealed people come in, more struggling people come in, it doesn't overwhelm us. I'm so consumed with my own stuff. I can't help you. It's time to get ready. Let's not be caught off guard. 
by what God is already telling us, I'm going to do. I'm going to do this, Newcastle. I've chosen you. And will you act like a chosen people? Will we act like a chosen people? Or will we be like Jerusalem? And Jesus wept and said, if you only knew the visitation. But you rejected it. You weren't ready for it. I don't want to be that. I want to be a city and a church who said yes to God. Who took my personal life and conformed it to the will and the word of God. So I could serve what he promises to do in this church and in this city. Are we going to be a chosen people who act like they're chosen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for preparing us, God as we choose to even be those who prepare a way for you, you're preparing a way for us. And we ask you, God, for, for great wisdom and revelation to come upon all our hearts so that we know how to live right. Not to earn love, but to, obe- to be obedient sons and daughters, God, to prepare for the coming move. Whether it's this year or in 10 years, you're saying, get ready now. So God, I pray right now that we would feel the urgency, that we would feel the holy pressure of heaven, that we who are a chosen people in a chosen city, in a chosen part of our nation, would act and live like chosen people. So God, I pray for grace, power, to conform our lives, to be obedient, to your ways and to your word. So God, I say, I thank you for what you've prophetically spoken. I received Dennis as a prophet and I received this God as a prophetic word. Now bless us God with wisdom and blueprints and strategy and and ways to which we can walk this out faithfully God in this year and in the many years to come. We love you God. We're so thankful for what you've done this year in 2015. And we look forward to your glory in 2016. We love you. We bless you. We give you praise. Everybody says, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Don't forget to sign up out at the Welcome Center for the classes. God bless you.